Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Logan Steiner is the author of After Anne, a novel of Lucy Maud Montgomery's life. This was guest hosted by Julie Chavez. Logan is a lawyer by day and a writer by baby bedtime. Her writing explores motherhood and the creative life, two things she once thought could never happily coexist. Logan also writes a Substack newsletter called The Motherhood Question. After graduating from Pomona College and Harvard Law School, Logan clerked for three federal judges, spent six years in big law, and served for three years as an assistant United States attorney. She now specializes in brief writing at a boutique law firm. 
Logan lives in Denver with her husband, daughter, and the cranky old man of the house, a Russian blue cat named Taggart. Her debut novel, After Anne, is published by William Morrow. Hi, Logan. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to talk about After Anne. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love this podcast, and it's such an honor. Zibby has built something so great, and it's so fantastic for me to be a part of it, and I felt so happy that I got to talk to you today about your book. So welcome, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to start with a confession. I have never read Anne of Green Gables. I and. I want to start with that confession because I feel like everyone should know that even if you have not read Anne of Green Gables, you will love this book because it was so well done and I really enjoyed it. It was, now I want to go back and read Anne of Green Gables. I had visions of doing it before, but that was a fool's errand. I I love to overplan myself, but this book was so fascinating. I want to hear about how you decided to write it. So will you just give us kind of the elevator pitch first of what this book is about? Sure, absolutely. And let me start by saying, I'm so happy to hear you say that you connected with the book, um, not having read Anne of Green Gables, that is, and that it's drawn you to want to read more of Lucy Mon Montgomery's writing. That is, um, you know, the best thing that that someone could say. I, I intend this book to be, you know, to resonate with the, you know, Ellen Montgomery fan and those who are, have not discovered her yet. And I think it's a story of the life of a creator that so many of us can relate to who want to create. I think there's a creative drive in in everyone. And uh, she was just such a, such an enigma, such a complex, fascinating woman. And so my deepest hope is that her, her, you know this book resonates beyond just you know the fans of, of Anna Green Gables and that it draws more people to Ellen Montgomery's work. So, elevator pitch: This book tells the life story of Ellen Montgomery, who wrote Anne of Green Gables and twenty other books, as well as many, many short stories and poems. She was very prolific in her time. A Canadian author grew up in rural Prince Edward Island and has this fascinating life story that has, you know, so many interesting elements in some ways, you know, so much sadness, um, so much that she struggled with, so much that she overcame, so much that she couldn't. And in some ways is such a, a counterpoint in contrast with her fiction And there are many ways that she resembles her main characters as well and just has this deep, vibrant imagination, such a complex inner emotional life, all things that drew me to want to tell this story and to do it in novel form. So there is, you know, a beautiful biography of Ella Montgomery, Lucy Mad Montgomery, The Gift of Wings. And this is, is a very different project that you know, uses the benefit of dialogue and write, you know, writing non-linearly to tell kind of the inner emotional life of this woman. And so it is not set as a, you know, start to finish life story. It really tries to pull out the deep emotional pieces and, and what really matters at the end of a life. Mm. You did a beautiful job with it. I loved the way that you took that one birthday weekend 
and kept revisiting that. That was really compelling for me because I wanted to both go away and go back to it. So it it was very natural and that device worked really well. And it's funny, you're hitting on all the things I was thinking about it. I was reading, I'm looking at my list of questions and something that you mentioned is that it really is about her as a creator and not necessarily the creation. So, you know, I think that's a distinction. And so much of it resonated with me as a woman and pulled in many different directions. And it's kind of that the more things change, the more they stay the same sort of feeling when you read it. You think, oh my goodness, I can identify with this. She was, you know, we're talking a hundred years ago, but it, so much of it feels resonant for right now. Yes, absolutely. That was a huge draw for me too. I'm somebody who has wanted to write since I was 10 years old and also been always terrified of putting my writing out there in the world. And to me, you know, some of the best medicine, the the thing that I go to uh, when I'm feeling really alone in that is the story of other creators and people, you know, women writers in particular who have gone through their own sets of struggles and always, you know, in in the life of everyone, but the life of women in particular, I feel like there are all these things that bubble at the surface, the, um, you know, the spouses, children, you know, maintaining the household, the day jobs, so many things that are competing and um, competing for our time. Mm-hmm. And there are also, for so many of us, we have some deeper creative pull And so I knew that in my first book, I really wanted to explore that and explore the life of another creator that just could help me feel less alone in all of the struggles and the the back and forth that I have and finding room in my life for for myself and for things that I want to create. Absolutely. Have you ever read Gift from the Sea by Anne Morrow Lindbergh? We'll put it on your list because it's a very very similar, so many similar themes. And she was also a creator in her time who struggled to find it. And also a woman with some deep sadness in her life and incredible traumatic things that happened, but somehow really had this sort of hopeful posturing toward the rest of her world. So yeah, it's, it's a really good one in your spare time. You're not doing anything. You're just like, you know, promoting a book and, and being a lawyer in your spare time, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Balancing act for sure, but that's going on my list. Okay, perfect. And it's not too long. And the chapters are nice and short too. So I, it's one I've given to many friends. I've probably purchased 10 copies of it, two for myself, I'm sure. (laughs) But don't tell my husband because I lie to him about how many books I buy. Shh. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be our secret. That's how we make friends. Right. Well, so you were talking about her creative pull. When did you know you wanted to write a book? I have wanted to write since I was really young. And Anne of Green Gables was a huge reason for that for me. That was a book that, you know, I read the Anne books, the Emily books, kind of the whole gamut of Ellen Montgomery as a young adult. And I read a lot of them in my grandma's house. My grandma was the one that introduced me to these books. She and I were so close. And so that's part of the special place in in my heart that they will always have. And, you know, Ellen Montgomery wrote main characters who wanted to create and were writers and were uh, precocious and vibrant, particularly Anne. I think 
the way that she was so unfiltered and real with the world, that was something that even as a young person, I struggled to do and knew that I I wanted, you know, I, I needed that kind of example and influence to be more fully myself because I'm always somebody that has wrestled with this, um, you know, people pleasing and how much of myself to put out there and how to show the real me. And so Anne was such an inspiration in that and also in wanting to write a book. So, you know, that was the early story. And then for many years, I did a lot of creative writing. I did creative writing in college and I decided to go this more practical route and have a law career coming out of being an English major had the guidance of many professors that I really, you know, loved saying, this is a hard road. It's a hard and long road to be an English professor. Um, You know, why not, if you have something else that you want to pursue that you're thinking of, why not try that first? And I, I knew I wanted a day job too. I knew I wanted a kind of steady, stable, pay the bills profession. And, you know, that that would for me, just give me that grounding to be able to pursue creative interests on the side. So went along doing that and had some really great early law jobs, also really all-consuming early law jobs. And it took it took me a while to get to the point of, I'm going to start this book. And it was actually a, a huge wake up of, of losing my brother suddenly. Mm-hmm. That was the catalyst um, ultimately to get me to start doing this thing that I talked about doing for so long. And that was eight years ago. And it has been, it has been a long journey since then, but also one that I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry that you lost him, that he's not with you. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a huge, huge pain. And I, I carry him with me in all of this. Um, when I write, I think of of having him with me. He was somebody who expressed himself so well in writing. And uh, it was, you know, kind of a promise I made to myself and to him when I lost him that I would I would write and I would I would carry him with me in this way. Thanks for sharing that. I love hearing about the people who aren't with us anymore but are still so much a part of who we are and how we live. What was your brother's Absolutely. name? Ben. Ben. Well, you have done him, I think, a lot of justice in this book because you've expressed yourself really well. And I really was just so struck by who Ellen Montgomery was and everything that she went through. I just, I felt so... She felt so familiar. You wrote her so well and with so much spirit. I really did. Like I said, I want to know more about her. And I had no idea she was so prolific. So because I had only thought Anne of Green Gables. So I think you did a beautiful thing here. Now, you also are a mom. I am. So it sounds like that was a real turning point for you. You know, I'm not putting this off any longer. This is something I'm here to do, I'm going to do. How how did those two intersect for you? Was it challenging to find time? Was that okay for you based on your rhythms? You know, I there's a scene in the book where Anne is writing and then something's happening with the cat 
And so they have to get up and go. And I thought, oh yeah, this is, this I can see, right? So what do you find? Is that what life is like for you? Is it just constant interruption or are you pretty good about segmenting? How did, how did you get it done? Oh my goodness. Well, I wrote the book before having my daughter. So I, that is the secret. Yes. <laughs> that may be the yes. secret. <laughs> um, no, I I am still writing it. I hope to, you know, keep that thread going, but I did. I really struggled for many years with the decision to have a baby. And uh, my husband and I were together for 16 years before deciding to have uh, or to to try to have a child in. Yeah. My daughter, Noah, is now uh, 20 months old. And so this book really, you know, was written before I, I did have a big fear that if I had children before writing a book, that it would never happen. Um, mm. You know, I, I had, you know, all this self-doubt that I was mired in and fear of putting myself out there, putting my writing out there. And so that was really, you know, for a long time, I saw those as competing drives or competing focuses. I've done a lot of reframing around that. It's still very much in process, but it was interestingly, it was when I was a week postpartum, a week after having my daughter, that I got the call from my agent that this book had sold. And it was a time when I had basically given up hope that that it would be published. Um, you know, there were so many parts to that journey, but I do think that there was something really meaningful in my life that it it took kind of, you know, letting go of this agenda that I had to have a book published before having a baby um, for for that to ultimately happen. And that that timing has told me a lot, but really meaningful to me. And I think that, you know, having my daughter now, yes, there are so many more competing demands on my time it's taught me to be, you know, even more efficient. I don't know. It, it grounds me. I come up at the end of the day, I see her and I'm more in my body. I'm more in like the present moment. And that I think has helped ground the writing that I've done since then. It helps me really structure my days between my law work and my writing work and my time with Noah, my daughter. And it's been a help much more than I thought it would be. So far, not to say there aren't many challenges. Oh, of course. it. There is something true. I can't remember who told me recently. We were talking about something and they said, if you want something done, give it to a mom. Like it, there is yeah. something that's so just moms get it done. And yes. so to kind of have a gift or, you know, people that are busy, people have a lot going on when you do you're in that place of just, okay, I'm just going to do this. And I don't know if it, you find it for you, but I know that, you know, writing can be a refuge in so many yes. ways. And I think it was true for Ellen Montgomery for sure. And it was. so looking at that edit from that perspective of this is something that I pour out, but you're exactly right. This sort of grounding in real life, because so much of writing is in your head that mm -hmm. it can be, and especially if you're a person at all who's, you know, tends toward self-doubt, like you were saying, or people-pleasing. And by the way, I feel like self-doubt is just like baked in with the whole writerly process, right? It's like, hey, create right. something. And Part then spend, and parcel. Right? Yeah. Then spend a lot of time being worried about it. So yeah. it, it just, I think you're right. It kind of brings you back into that moment because 
toddlers don't care what you have going on. Yep. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> and it's really helpful for kind of the recovering perfectionists, which I definitely am, you know, that, you know, I, I think a lot about the kind of done is better than perfect. And, you know, you could give, give things the time that you have, and yes. that's often enough. And I, I really struggled, you know, I re- rewrote this book so many times. I was very much attached to getting it right to the point that getting the finished book actually has been this, I just got it in the mail last week. It's been this very emotional thing for me mm-hmm. because I it's I cannot go back in now. It's it's complete, and that has been really hard for the control freak in me to let go. I think so. A lot of mixed emotions there, but I do think that that's where having my daughter has been helpful. In you know, I, I only have so much time. I cannot spend the time ruminating, the time perfecting anymore. Yes, a hundred percent. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That is, I love that you mentioned that because we see a million unboxing videos and we always see the excitement of it, but you're right. There is a very strange element of I have been working, reworking, reworking this for years and now it's done. And if there's something you want to rework now, too bad. Like it's, that's tricky, but it can also be very freeing. I just realized as I was saying that I'm really making this worse, but... (laughs) I'm not helping you, but it's acknowledging that. No, no, it's so true. It's both. Yes, it is it's both. both. Oh, holding, yes. holding two truths at the same time is something I, I, you know, I'm just, it's really, I'm over it. Can we just have it be easy? <laughs> <laughs> right. Can it just be the joyful video? I know. Exactly. I'm, I'm hoping that by feeling through the, the hard part of it, I'll get myself to that, that joyous part and be able to really soak, soak it in. So much of this has, I really have been feeling that joy and reminding myself to savor and all of that. But it it was this interesting, it was a moment that was very different than I thought it would be. I'm so glad you shared that because it is, it's complicated, right? It's such a, it's like so many things in our life, something worth bringing forth is, it's a lot. So it is easy to forget that. And I think even with 
like you were saying, it sounds like the the road to selling it was a little longer and more challenging than maybe you anticipated. It Is was. there any of that that you want to share that you feel like would be beneficial to other people? You know, it's really such a a story of persistence Isn't and it? and by persistence, it's not you know, kind of dogmatic, all of this has to get done. There were, I really ebbed and flowed with this book and, and let it percolate and let it, let it rest for times and picked it back up. Um, and at times lost, lost the belief that it was, Mm. you know, going to ever be out there in the world. And so it was not a, you know, when I say persistence, it's so much patience too, and letting it kind of happen in its time. Each time that I would go back to the manuscript with, you know, wonderful notes from my agent who has been this book's champion, Mm -hmm. Abby Saul, I would just have to call her out. She's been such a gift to me and such a champion of this book for years, but would go back with notes from her or notes from my editor um, when I was revising it on my own. I would get something else out of it that was like, this is what I need in my life right now. Like there, there was a lesson for me each time that I went back into it. And, you know, I told the story of like, when I finally learned that it was going to be published, I just felt like that was the moment that you know, something from the universe was delivering that to me in that moment, because I needed that lesson that, you know, everything's not going to happen according to your plans. And, um, and I think that there were so many parts along the way where I felt like, you know, continuing to have trust, which does not mean absence of doubt Mm. and persevering in that way and holding that, you know, a project will kind of come to be in its time. And that however long it takes is kind of however long you need with it. And at least that was true for me. It was the time I needed with this particular story and so, you know, to other people who are in the middle of the process and maybe, you know, giving up hope or thinking about giving up hope or halfway through a manuscript that kind of keep going, but it's kind of deeper than that. Like look for, you know, what the struggle, you know, what the rewrite, what the next step, what that can really teach you. Mm. That is really good advice. Seeing the process as more than the sum of its parts, right? That this is, yeah, it's meant to shape you in a different right. way. So looking for those lessons. Oh, I love that. I'm going to be thinking about that. That will stay with me for sure. I have a question for you and you touched on it a little bit earlier. And because I think it is so tricky to create something and then put it out in the world and, you know, leave it to Goodreads, which is like, just the the place I'm going to have to delete <laughs> yes. when my book comes out. I just yes. know I will be like, I can't, I, here I am. So it's such a strange, but there's a scene in the book. So Maud isn't ready to share her writing quite yet because she says that her cousin says things that are nice, but they don't go any further. She calls, you know, their platitudes like, oh yeah, your writing's great. What is your favorite thing to hear about your writing? And I feel like anyone who's listening to this then can just take a quick note to give you that compliment. So I'm happy to set you up with that. But but what what is meaningful to you when somebody says, this is X is what I got from your writing, or I love how you do X, Y, Z. Like what, what feels good to you? That is such a good question. Uh, and I think, you know, I want to sit with it. Yeah. 
I, I think that it's so meaningful to me when people say that my writing has made them feel deeply. So mm. that's my first, okay. my first answer. I also think that when people say that lines have stuck with them, which you just did and, you yeah. know, in kind of describing that passage to me, that's the mark of my favorite books. When I underline lines and I love them so much, I have to write them in my quote journal and I come back to them and they help me in those really hard life moments or great life moments. Um, that, that is what I most intend to do. And whether that's a particular line of the book or, you know, the Ella Montgomery's journey and how it made people feel. That's, that's what I'm really hoping that it kind of sticks with somebody um, beyond just the time that, that they're reading it. I love that you shared that. Thank you for thinking through that because I think too, that's a, you know, people who aren't writing, I think it can be hard to encourage any friend or person that you love that's doing something that you're not doing, right? Like, absolutely. My son's a runner, and to me, I'm like, you know, hey, you still, <laughs> you did good. And he wants specific praise, not because he's needy for that, but it just shows that I'm seeing what he's doing, right? That I'm, that I'm entering it fully. And so that's a gift I think people can give writers. You're exactly like, you're exactly right. Not to, not to uh, overflow your ego, but just to say, I see what you've done and I see what you tried to do. So yes, yes, absolutely. And I just wrote actually a post I'm writing the sub stack called the creative sort about how we sort through creative decision-making. And I wrote a post about project champions and like what it takes to really champion a creative project. So just write along this line and how it was so important to me. My husband has just been this book's, this book's champion for sure. I dedicated it to him and So much of that was his truth-telling along the way. And it was, you know, emotionally grounded truth-telling. He was, you know, 100% behind me the whole time. But he really was the person who gave me kind of the most honest feedback. And I invited him into the space to do that. Yeah. Kind of really tender space early on. And, you know, really helped me hone, develop characters. And so there's... There's some of that too. And, you know, then I trusted him more when he said later, I love this. This is really working like this. You know, it's, there's, there's some of that like deep, honest feedback too, that can go a long way. And I have had many, many friends and my parents who have been such champions in their positivity and encouragement. And that's a huge piece of it too. But that, that real engagement and truth telling, I think is, maybe an underrated part of it. Yes, you're exactly right. To have someone that's engaged with you and also supports you fully is just such a gift. Well done, husband. Very proud. It's David, right? Is that right? David, yes. Shout out to David. Way to go, David. David David gets a win. I love (laughs) it. Husbands are there for it or partners. I mean, it's just so important because especially for them, they're the ones that have to live with you. While you're doing it's this. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and there were many days that were not pleasant for him. So he deserves the shout out for sure. <laughs> it's so true. I am wondering, is writing, what do you, well, what are you working on now? It sounds like you have a sub stack. So obviously I'm going to subscribe to that because it sounds 
amazing. And oh, I really you. do like, you get a sense when you write in after Anne, just the relationship between Anne and her husband, or Anne, Lucy and her Maud. Why do I want to call her Lucy? Maud and her the husband. Two, two first names, right? right? And then it, she goes by Maud. It's just designed to throw you off. Yeah. It is. Do me a favor. So she, but the way you write about their intimacy and what's going on with them and just also it made me so grateful that we live in an age where there's more knowledge of medications and mental health because just between Absolutely. the Spanish flu and that, I was like, yep, that's really not yes. ideal. Yes. I know so many modern day resonances and gratitude for yeah, you know, the where we where we are on the yes. health and, and medications and treatment and not keeping it all undercover, you know, just that's so important. Um, you know, the changing attitudes around divorce and, and freedom for women in particular in relationship yes. is another big, big one that that I appreciate so much um having been with Maud's story. Well, especially because for me, also, I always think back to these sorts of stories and I wonder what I would have done. And yes. I am very much a people pleaser. And I doubt I would have been able to go against a tide of what was expected of me in that age. And so the fact that she was able to kind of hold those two in opposition as well as she could is mm -hmm. a testament to her bravery. Completely agree. Yeah. So it feels like writing was such a refuge for her. Is it a refuge for you? And what are you working on now? It is absolutely a refuge for me. It's where I connect most deeply with myself. Mm. I've been really working on honoring myself as an introvert and out of reading this book, Quiet, which is just amazing. And love that book. So valuable. It's so good. Mm -hmm. So valuable. And it's it's made me realize, aha, that's what writing writing is, that space that I carve out. That's the the me time. That's the one that I kind of return to most regularly in my life. And it's helped me to honor the importance of that for me even more, whether it's journaling or, you know, writing a newsletter or writing a book. That's really mm -hmm. that me, you know, go inside space and understand why that's so important for me absolutely a refuge. What I'm writing next is really in the same the the same vein as the Substack which is my journey to becoming an author kind of the long sorted journey that it's yes. been or to having a book published as yes. the, the writing was all along but and then also the journey to becoming a mother after 16 years of going from no to maybe and really, really struggling with that decision. And I think that's a space that's just not talked about enough. There's so often a narrative in our culture of, you know, or you don't, you know, it's just a gut or you roll the dice or you, you're never ready. And that the kind of really deep exploration of whether to become a parent and holding space for those that are uncertain, that that's okay. Or those that are you know, certain that they don't want kids, that's okay. I'm really committed to having more space for those places, having been in them for so long. And so I'm, I'm writing in, the, in that memoir space. That's so exciting. I cannot wait to read it. I think you'll have a lot of really valuable takes on that. And I think you're exactly right because there, there are so many limiting narratives around how we decide about what we would like our family to look like. And then that intersection with 
Yeah, you're so, gosh, there's a lot to explore there. Ooh, I can't wait to read your Substack and then your memoir one day. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Oh, it's my pleasure. Logan, this was really a wonderful conversation. Thank you for being with me. Thanks for writing such a fantastic book. I can't wait for it to be out in the world. And I know that it is going to find its readers just like Anne of Green Gables did. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 